This is producer Rachel with a warning that the pod you are about to hear contains some, as Arlo White would say, fruity language. To the pod. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! This is Rog. Oh, you're about to listen to Men in Blazers live in Los Angeles. Oh, a remarkable night in which we raised the glass with a slew of Angelino legends from the LA Rams and one of my true entertainment heroes, Fez, for reals. And then we explored a big, a difficult question on the eve of the World Cup. What are the Mexican National Federation doing right that we can learn from in the United States? Anyway, this show was the first of our Men in Blazers Across America tour. St. Louis, San Francisco and Boston are all sold out. Portland, Seattle, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. Tickets available now. You can grab them via meninblazers.com. One quick note. I want to thank you, dear listeners, for your support of our book, The Encyclopedia Blazer Tanaka. It has been, it's been an amazing first week. I can't tell you how moving it is to see that tweed cover in your arms, in photo after photo, in your homes, in your garbage cans, wherever you've been jamming our book. We love it on Instagram and Twitter. Please keep sending us those photographs. It's really, really thrilling. And keep buying the book for your soccer curious friends. The soccer curious. This book, I promise you, it's guaranteed to enhance their viewing pleasure and make them true fans of the sport by the time the World Cup has ended. To more, to more, to more. Big thanks to Budweiser for making Men in Blazers across America possible. Bud fam, blood fam. Also, the support of our friends at EA Sports and now, yes, Jägermeister. Oh, here's Los Angeles beginning with a special message from massive West Ham fan and carpool karaoke king, James Corden, that he recorded with us to kick off the show. Here's James. Good evening, everybody. You're welcome. You're welcome is a phrase which is synonymous with football fans here in Los Angeles. When the LA Galaxy players get announced onto the pitch, we all say, you're welcome. Five MLS Cups, you're welcome. Zlatan, you're welcome. And now, here tonight, to all of you beautiful people gathered in downtown LA, I will share two words with you. I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, from the stunning, sort of gothic, but wholly amazing theater at the Ace Hotel in downtown Los Angeles, it's the Men in Blazers live show podcast. LA, 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 LA. I don't know why you don't all 
all just walked down Melrose, just chanting that all the bloody time, like yeah. Liverpool fans in Kiev. It is a <laughs> not tonight. It is a too <laughs> sorry, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Oh, Davo. Yeah. By the way, I just want you to know, Davo, huge one of us. One of us. You can guess which one. Huge Sergio Ramos fan. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Oh, it's a me. total joy to be here in your city, to be candid, on the West Coast, in a theatre that dates back to, look at it, it's stunning, 1927, which was actually Roy Hodgson's bar mitzvah. Yeah. We sit here tonight not far from the site where, in 1781, 11 families, just 44 people, settled El Pueblo, Sobre el Rio de Nuestra Señora, la Reina de Los Angeles, de Rio de Pocincula! Yeah! <laughs> Did I do okay? Did I do okay with that? Okay. Oh, it has not changed that much since then, has it? No, not at all. Oh, this great city that began as Devo has just bantered with more names than the English national team roster. Yeah. They should have called it Loftus Cheek, Alexander Arnold. <laughs> it would have been a good name. Okay, it has grown up to become the center of the entertainment universe. Universe, universe. And one that's given us the Showtime Lakers. Uh, I, like AC Green, am saving myself. <laughs> Though unlike AC Green, I I'm not sure exactly what I'm saving myself for. They're also home to the original French dip sandwich from Philippe's. <laughs> Named after, and not a lot of people know this, Coutinho. And Roger's favorite band, Haim. The greatest trio. And I'm still going to stick with this line. Since Mane, Firmino, and Mo Salah. Too soon. When I was growing up in dreary, dark England, that and was. I heard the two letters, L.A., L.A., I thought only of one thing, Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> like you, the characters that first drew me into that mega series were the parents. <laughs> Jim and Cindy Walsh. Oh, the best. We, we tried to book them tonight, but they hate each other and are not speaking. Yeah, true but story. Back then, Teen Rog wanted what they had, which was clearly contentment, Californian contentment, a patterner of success, an unshakable love. And I was devastated, devastated when Jim received a promotion to go to Hong Kong. Thank heavens, thank heavens, and I want you to all appreciate this. Thank heavens for the goddess known as Andrea Zuckerman. Can you, that's pathetic. Andrea Zuckerman! I, I gotta tell you, to me, she's the feminine ideal. She was just such a boss. But that's just me speaking, David. You actually live here. This is your quasi hometown. Quasi hometown. And I want to kind of, I want to know what did it feel like when young Davo with hair yeah. first landed at LAX? Yeah, 145 pounds of Davo with hair arrived here <laughs> when I was 24 years old. My brother, who was already living here, picked me up at the airport, drove me up La Cienega to West Hollywood. And on Santa Monica Boulevard, we went to Dan Tanner's Steakhouse. The greatest Yugoslavian steakhouse in Christendom. Yep, inarguable. Yeah. Uh, he told me that in LA, 
If you stand on any corner, you see your dream girl drive past in your dream car every five minutes. But within the first few hours, I realized he was wrong. It was more like every three minutes. I really like cars. He loves a Prius. I've also had the privilege of watching this city blossom from a football perspective over the years, oh, from being down at the Coliseum in the dark days of the early 90s, in the Rose Bowl, uh, all over this great town watching international football, watching the early days of Major League Soccer. And, uh, oh my word, so many oh. soccer fans, so many soccer greats through the years. Don Garber's here tonight. I know, Don Garber, thanks, Don. Thanks for clapping, Don. People like Rog, like Jorge Campos. Oh, I mean, look at him. A kaleidoscopic ball of joy between the posts. And still to this day, one of the most lethal strikers LA Galaxy have ever fielded. Yeah. <laughs> this man, this man. I mean, he was no Andrew Shoe, but yeah. he, did, he did score 34 goals for Pumas. Astonishing. Yeah. That was one of his more understated jerseys as subtle, well, in my memory. Subtle. Also, Rog, Alex Morgan. An American World Cup champion. Just saying those words makes me feel better about Russia 2018. Okay, talking of Russia 2018, Rog, the brothers Dos Santos. Mexico's answer to the IU brothers. <laughs> Only difference being the Dos Santos, they're actually good at football. Yeah, both of them. Okay, here we go, Rog. Zlatan. Born and bred in Carson, California. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. In the hindsight. The Swedish pot. Yeah. Okay, Roger, and of course, Landon Donovan. <laughs> who was born away in a manger. No crib for his bed. <laughs> Little Lord Landon laid down his bald head in Ontario, California. Rod, you've never sung in a single Men in Blazers show before. You've already sung two songs and we're only four minutes in. I'm three beers in. <laughs> I say Ontario, California is an unusual place for a Mexican league sensation. But as, <laughs> as, as I wrote in our book, the Encyclopedia Blazer, Tanaka Dave, by the way, no, it's too heavy. Can it's I just, way too heavy. I just, I'm not throwing it. I just I'm not want to thank. It. I just want to thank the Red Roof Inn for choosing it as the new Gideon Bible. They're going to put it in every room. <laughs> <laughs> every room. Really? It's going to be the crap book. You're like, why is that here? What? Hadn't heard um, that. This Bible, by the the Blazer Tanaka, it's available with our merch. Such beautiful, beautiful, exclusive merch. Uh, the Men in Blazers set up out front. I'm raising this because there's a gentleman, Jake Wagner, who's a madman. He's just a GFOP who's flown in from Minneapolis on his own accord to do this, to sell our crap. No. Yeah. Really? But back to London. So okay. please support him because he's a madman and it's very touching to us that uh. a gentleman likes our, st our, our crap enough to come in and fly and do this. Back to lesser people, London Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> In our book, the Gideon Bible, yeah. we say, in the book, we say Landon Donovan is, quote, the Vincent Van Gogh of American soccer. It's not an overstatement. 
a man whose achievement may only truly be appreciated only when he's gone. If he ever actually retires, David. Yeah, it's unlikely. Okay, now our goal tonight is twofold. First, we're going to celebrate this sparkling city, Los Angeles, one that we've both long marveled at. Los I've Angeles! actually lived in. 17 suburbs in search of a city. Anyone with here? Sorry, anyone here from uh, Los Angeles? No. <laughs> Probably very few of them, actually, <laughs> from the actual Los Angeles, yep. with its melange of footballing culture. Second, in conjunction with the Mexican Football Federation, we will attempt to conduct a deep dive analysis of what they're doing south of the border that has made them so successful. And I want to be fully transparent. We are England and USA fans. I support England. Rog is going to be sworn in as an American next week. On Friday, Friday, 12 o'clock at the US courthouse. It's genuinely, in eight generations, there'll be a photo of me on my ancestor's wall. They'll be like, we don't remember his name, but he's the one that moved us to America. Let's hope that's what they say. <laughs> Let's hope that's what they say. Oh, Dave, um, the US men's national team. Ugh. You've heard the news. <laughs> um, I say that their failure to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. As it does. John Cougar Mellencamp's here. It hurts so bad. I, I am currently, I figured this out with J-Dubs, our producer. Can we hear it for J-Dubs, our producer, who's working everything? Genuinely, well done. I was chatting to J-Dubs, who is the human genius who, like, literally the puppet master that makes Devo and I move. And I'll just say, we were chatting about where we both are in the seven stages of grief. And I realized I'm actually approaching level six, which is, quote, reconstruction and working through. I'm bullshitting myself. I'm still in denial. <laughs> but in level six, in that spirit tonight, big boy spirit, our goal is to spend some time talking with Mexican national team leaders about, and this is, I think it's time, this is the moment when we need to do this. We need to stop seeing them as just rivals that we play in the hex and we rival with them. And we need to say, what have you done right in terms of youth development, scouting, squad building that we can learn from here tonight? Yeah, absolutely, Rog. This is, this is therapy. It's therapeutic and it's practical, uh, Rog. Okay, but before we do that, we need to take a picture. Producer yeah. Rachel, Rach, please come to the stage. Take a photo. GFOPs, get to your feet. Stand up. We need to be seeing you. Good. That was the only guest tonight, producer Rachel! <laughs> okay, we want to take a moment to thank our show sponsors, Allstate, who have been active in the American soccer world for more than a decade, always with the goal of protecting fans and the sport they love, Roger. i just say, they are not only dedicated partners of the Mexican national team and Major League Soccer, but the thing I genuinely love about what Allstate do and how they do it is that they quietly and wonderfully have been refurbishing community soccer fields across this country, which is the one thing I think, like in the wake of what's happened 
in the dark place, in the upside down of last November, to one thing that I'm most fascinated by, all states are doing it. Right now, this week, the Bud Carson Middle School in Hawthorne, all state, you beauties, you're about to create an exquisite field that, please God, world-class talent for generations will emerge from. So I'm grateful to you. We're going to dive in. But I, I do want to, before we start tonight, and we're going to do a deep dive, talking about LA, talking about Mexico, talking about what we can learn, I want to say, I want to drink the first bud. Well, it's actually the second bud. This. I want to make a toast. It's flat. <laughs> I want to make a toast. My first, second Budweiser of the night. <laughs> I want to... <clears throat> It's a genuine joy for Davo and I to be with you. And I want to raise this glass to football. The sport that binds us all together. That gave us the Champions League final. Today, 90 minutes, stuffed, overstuffed with human emotion. I just want to say something quite subtle. Children here, close your ears for a minute. My children, close your ears. Fuck you, Sergio Ramos. <laughs> I just want to say, I'm an Everton fan. I'm an Everton fan. You may not know that about me. But if you did not cry when Mo Salah cried, you need to check your pulse. I feel, I'm still devastated. I don't care about either of those two teams. But I know that I just watched a 90-minute life lesson I did not want my children to see because they're too young to understand a life truth that evil always wins. Not true. Not true. I this, this was the worst day night ever in Cristiano Ronaldo's career. Honestly, that fake smile when Gareth Bale scored that worldie. No one has ever been more unhappy. Yep. The celebration, watching in slow motion, he's like... I love that he's like, I may leave, I may now leave. Let's make this story all about me. But I want to credit Real Madrid, I really do. They find a way to win Champions Leagues. To win three on... No, no, to be... I want to... However you win them, to win three on the run is a genuinely, no joke here, a gargantuan achievement. And at the final whistle, that full range of human emotion between two men, both with awful hairstyle choices, Gareth Bale and Loris Karius, both, both, both man buns, one a victorious gladiator, the other a broken human being, which I, I, won't, be, I won't be a broken human being. A dark, it was genuinely dark. I want to say, God love you, Loris Karius. You really are. Who amongst us here tonight has not had days like you have? We just have not had our days with millions of people watching. And That's very true. And I, f I genuinely feel for that human being tonight. Yeah. To football, which is more than a sport, is the only way that I feel emotions that I'm meant to in real life, but I'm otherwise dead to. Yeah, true. Am I right, Bud fam, Blood fam? To football! Yes, yeah, right. Okay, Rog, from Kiev, from Kiev back to California, and a city that is home to more MLS Cups than any place else in the US or Canada. Why stop there, David? Los Angeles has more MLS Cups than any city in the world. It's true. World champions, one yep. could say. We've touched on this city's past and present. 
Now we want to talk about its future, future, future. future to help, future. we have two of its brightest young stars, wide receivers who will suit up for one of the NFL's most potent, ornate offenses next season. The late Manchester City, but with hair. We're thrilled to welcome to the stage from your Los Angeles Rams, the king of the Big Sky Conference, Mr. Cooper Cup, and the best archer not on FXX, Mr. Brandon Cooks. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, this is Stan Kroenke's finest achievement <laughs> in sports, not just in football. Absolutely. Okay. <sighs> the Rams. Are there any Rams fans here tonight? Yeah. Yes. There okay. We go. Good. There we go. Now Good. let's do that again. Are there any Rams fans here tonight? <laughs> These men smell incredible, by the way. They say, I'm not, honestly, they are the finest smelling footballers of any code uh, uh, anywhere I've ever met. So the Rams, a Los Angeles staple reborn Cooper Cup. You've been with the Rams for an entire half of their recent history. <laughs> How has it been to live the resurrection of Los Angeles as a proper, proper NFL town? Oh, shoot. I mean, just coming in here and being a part of this. Uh, I mean, coming in here from um, St. Louis County, reviving football here in L.A. I mean, uh, what an opportunity just to be a part of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's just been incredible so far. I want to ask you a question, Brandon. Here's the thing I love about you. You and I have something in common. <laughs> where have you gone? Do you know what? We can, <laughs> where have I gone? We can edit this crap out, dude. Okay. I'm on card 11. <laughs> not, for the, not for these people. Right, no. Right. no. I thought they were all Westworld hosts. I didn't know we had to. It was um, that first, second Budweiser, I think. Oh, she got okay. the yeah. cards all mixed uh -huh. up on you. These guys were backstage with us. They know the truth. What number? By the way, just so you know, they were like, shoot it, shoot it. Should I just do what I'm told? Brandon. They call you Sonic Boom. Yeah. Which is coincidentally also my nickname. <laughs> you are California, born and bred. Here we go, yeah. We're gonna go here. We're gonna go here. Can we hear it for Stockton? Can we hear it for the Can we hear it for the asparagus capital of the world? I love asparagus. I do. When you joined the NFL, you went east to New England. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's just a place. It's just a place. Think about it. It's nothing less. It's just a place. You've come back now out west. How would you describe to me, in words, what does it feel like for you, California born and bred, to be back here in California? I mean, first of all, there's nothing like uh, the West Coast, especially sunny California. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's a blessing to be back, you know, being back close to my family um, and, and, and really just coming on to a team like the Rams. Uh, it's just a special moment. It's a special moment and um, can't complain about it at all. Oh, absolutely. They, they, are, they are a fascinating team. Do you remember the question I asked minutes ago? I've just thought about it again. Because <laughs> you're on card 11. The, Only 74 to go. <laughs> and I've shuffled them, so who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, the, 
uh, the Sean McVeigh, the young Pope, all that crap. The high octane offence. Todd Bloody Gurley, I love that man. I do. I, can I get a clap for Todd Bloody Gurley? I love that man. But you know what? I think about the players in a certain way, Dave. I think about the LA Rams. I think these guys, they just love word association. Oh, they love word association. It's what they do in the locker room. You do word association games, don't you? A bit of ping pong, a bit of FIFA and Madden, yeah, yeah. and word association. Why would we do ping pong? We can do word association. Okay, yeah. We want to get a sense of the way Angelinos think, the way this town is wired. And for those people listening via pod and watching on the live stream. God help you. Yeah, don't cross the live streams. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you both one word, and you're going to tell us the first thing that comes to your mind when we ask, when we say this word. Rog, you start us off. Yeah, I'm going to start with an easy one. We should actually take some audience ones. No, I'm okay. kidding. Uh, uh, we're going to warm up with an easy one. Guys, I'm going to say the word, just whatever you think of when I say this word. <laughs> Rams. Football. Dynamic. Football dynamic, I like it. Okay, here we go. I was gonna say Super Bowl winning, but go, keep going. Okay. Jared Goff. Jared Goff's here! <laughs> Goffy. Oh, special. Special. Playmaker. Playmaker, okay. Oh, interesting. I think I got that one. The yeah, no doubt. The Esco of the Rams. Here's the next one. It's actually three words. Word associate with me, Rams fans. The Ball Brothers. <laughs> oh, I see what we got going on. <laughs> Word association. Brandon. Dad. Dad? <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Cooper. Go spotlight. 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 <laughs> My word would have been brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the question, Rog. Okay, here we go. Zlatan. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's good. That's good. That's good. Chuck Norris. I have no clue how. I'll, I'll go. I'll just keep it with a uh, cup set. Yeah, okay. It was the perfect answer. What yeah, Cooper said. Good. What Cooper said. Wow. I've got okay, to say, Rod. Zlatan is at home, and he's, like, he's got a very small um, bathrobe on, one of those that goes to, like, why are you wearing a bathrobe? And he's showing me all of that. And he, he's watching our, our live stream. He's like, good, Chuck Norris, good. It's <laughs> a relief. Next one. Oh. Stan Kroenke. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, Arsene Wenger's here. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Mogul. With what? Mogul? Oh, I thought you said, I couldn't figure out whether you said noble, local, Vogel, uh, or I didn't know what <laughs> word you said. I, I thought you said mole, but he has no, a mogul. mogul. He is a mogul. Like mogul. 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 mogul, he is a mogul, good. Respect. Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal. Arsenal. Yes! Yeah, that's true. Which begs the question that we always talk about on our show. Do you think that Stan Kroenke knows that he also owns Arsenal Football Club? Don't answer that question. <laughs> Don't answer that question. He's your employer. He's your employer. By the way, I want you to know, nine out of ten Arsenal fans that we have met, they've just appointed a new coach. Nine out of ten Arsenal fans that we know wish 
that Stan Kroenke had made Sean McVeigh the Arsenal coach. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of points. <laughs> I have been watching a huge amount of Arsenal fan TV. Yeah. And I can, I can back that up in every regard. They've enough about me and Sean McVeigh. Yeah. Pile on. Keep going. Okay, enough word association. Yeah, please. Well, speaking of Sean, he's just 32 years old. Mm -hmm. He never actually played in the NFL. Mm -mm. Rising through the ranks as an assistant in soccer, there's a debate about whether you can actually be a coach without ever having been a player. Italian legend Arrigo Sacchi was once quoted as saying, you don't have to have been a horse to be a jockey. <laughs> it's a genius line. Is there do, do, something? Do you, know, do you know why that is? Do you know why that is an amazing line? Because horses can't speak and say bullshit, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> is there anything about Sean McVeigh being so young, never having played an NFL snap, that actually works to his advantage in being an NFL coach? No doubt, it is. Well, I'm I'm going to start by saying um, he he didn't play in the NFL, but I think most people here know who Calvin Johnson is. Um, so. I, if you look it up, I, I believe he beat out Calvin Johnson for player of the year in Georgia in high wow. school. So you, you, yeah, you give the guy some props. He so had some that there's not a whole lot of people that can say that yeah. ever. So I, I, I do think he, he knows football. He can play football. Um, and in terms of not, I think he's, the, the benefit to him not having played in the NFL is that he's been coaching in the NFL. Yeah. For that time. And yeah. so, you know, having been around some great coaches um, himself, which I think he would yeah. say the same thing, um, he learned a lot, I think, in his first few years. And it shows. I mean, he's a brilliant coach, and um, there's no denying that, uh, you know, when you're – when he's coaching you, you, know, I mean, you respect what he's saying. Maybe absolutely. he knows what he doesn't know. Well, That's the secret. Absolutely. I mean, the other advantage is his energy. You know, you got a guy that comes in there – um, he's on fire just like the players, ready to go, working out with you, running around. Most coaches, I mean, you're going to have to give them a crutch and a golf cart just to get around. <laughs> <laughs> so that's his advantage. <laughs> yeah. oh, God, can I hear it for these guys? They, be, they be, I got to say, tonight I'm sitting here at this table and I know you're thinking the same. You're thinking, Roger Bennett, you can still coach the Chicago Bears, Dave. Now... <laughs> We have both been in a lot of NFL locker rooms, especially me because I was on the Chicago Bears Super Bowl winning team back in 86. <laughs> Special teams. One of the things I love most about NFL is just how much the players love. They love, they love, they love, and they play EA Sports FIFA. Yes. They really do. They do, right? Absolutely. They do. I would like to start tonight the NFL um, EA Sports FIFA Tournament of the Year. I think more people would watch that in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but I want to work with the GFOPs at EA Sports to create a Brandon Cooks foothead. Give the people what they want. <laughs> and so we have started work, Davo and I, for weeks, for months in a laboratory on a Brandon Cooks foothead. Brandon... I want to explain this, Brandon. We have, we have analyzed you. I've watched a lot of game film. Oh, I it like this car. What do you like? What do you like? Huh? What do you like? I just see 97 on there, so I'll take yeah. that. <laughs> we, get Shot, we can get in the 90s right there. Come well, on now. I just want to say, Obama Yang is the fastest on FIFA for pace with 96. So we took the liberty of giving you a 97. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank we you. gave you a shot, 89. We gave you dribbling, 82. 
We gave you physicality because you're an incredible. When I watch you play football, the thing I admire about you is that you are, you are an incredibly physical, robust human being. An incredible. Do you agree with this? A little man syndrome. That's all it is. <laughs> He's talking about me. <laughs> We like to think of you as the NFL's Marwan Fellaini, except, except you are, you know, quite good. <laughs> so, David, there's two we've got to work out. What have we got to work out with these guys' help? Yeah, we've got to work out passing and defense. Okay, Cooper, what do you think passing first? If Sean McVay called the flea thicker, how would Brandon fit? I would be okay with us calling that play. If, yeah. it, was, if it was passing to me... Yeah. Dude, I think we can make it happen. Okay, I number between one and a hundred. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. We're dealing in high quad I'm, maths here. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do ninety. Ninety. Yeah. Wow. See, I'm gonna go Appreciate ninety. That. I think that's a very. I think that's modest. a little higher than Iniesta. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Cooper's, okay. Cooper's got a future as an agent. Keep okay. going. Okay. Now. Okay. Now to defense. Could he go both ways? Alan New Rockney, Mike Ditka. And Julian Edelman, is there an Iron Man football player in here? Brandon left back and he says, I ain't playing no defense. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one, but we'll just throw him like the, you know, like the 65 that you just throw people. You know, like. uh -huh. Okay, 65 I, I, if he's willing to play. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do. I and ain't playing no defense. Zero <laughs> for like for non-performance. I ain't playing no defense. That is um, that is a proper Obama Yang <laughs> in every regard. What do we get, David? Compute that with your beautiful mind so we can get an overall. Do we have an overall? We'll 88. 88, is good. 88 is good. We actually need you to sign that, and we're gonna we're gonna auction that off for charity. Charity oh, awesome. at the end of the season. Yeah. The Rams went 11 and five last season. This year upcoming, there are 10 to 1 odds that they're going to win the whole bloody thing. They're third best odds in the league behind the Chicago Bears. Nope. <laughs> no pressure. When you close your eyes, guys, at night and your head hits the pillow, do you al allow yourself to dream about what it would be to bring NFL glory back to this fine city, a city that has been without NFL for so long? Is that something that you guys think about? I, I think you have to. I think if you're playing this game um, and you're not dreaming about winning at all and um, performing at the highest level and the highest um, game, uh, highest uh, game that this sport allows us to, I don't think you should be playing it. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't. Right? No, no. There's no question about it. Yeah, I think you said it best. It's what always kept me out of an NFL career. Yeah. <laughs> Positive thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are overjoyed to have you. Absolutely. Can we hear it for Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup? Yeah. To LA Rams and glory. To LA Rams and glory. All the Arsenal guys, stand up. There Thanks, go. guys. I love it. Thanks a lot. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Okay, Rog, we're 50 minutes in and we've got through one guest. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna plow through these cards. Is that really 50 minutes? That's 50 minutes. Good Only 50 minutes. Oh I my lord. So guys, thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. 
Okay, it's safe to say LA's American football future's in good hands, so let's get back to the soccer scene here. The soccer scene. To help us with that, we've enlisted a man who's lived a life of which even global football stars would be jealous. A 21st century Georgie Best. He's an actor, a TV host, who arrived in America with a tenuous grasp of the English language. Like me. Yep, like Rog. But unlike you, he's gone on to star in television shows that are actually good, Rog. We're talking that 70s show, Your Mama, and currently NCIS. On top of all this, by Bloodline, he is a mix of Salomon Rondon's Venezuelan steel and James Rodriguez's Colombian flair on the football pitch. We welcome to the stage the one and only Mr. Wilma Valderrama. to sit here with Special Agent Nicholas Nick Torres. I'll do it here right now, I'll do yeah. it, yeah. Juicy, aren't we all? I'm not carrying Juicy Torres' right brother. I love a deep undercover agent, a lone wolf. I also love characters who are described as having all the traits of a sociopath, but the good kind of sociopath. Yeah, for sure. I really relate to them, David. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're an actor now, but when you were growing up, you were proper into football. Yeah. Well, I'm a central midfielder. You yeah. could also play up front. Your mother is Colombian. Your dad is from Venezuela. And he was your youth team coach, right? Yes. You moved to this country in 1994 as a 13-year-old from football-mad Venezuela. Talk about the soccer culture you encountered when you first moved here to L.A. It was really interesting. Well, first of all, thank you guys for such a nice warm welcome. I'm very oh, excited to be nice. here with you guys. I'm also a fan of these two fellas here, man, and uh, I was very uh, honored that you guys uh, invited me to come over here too. And, um, but also really excited to talk about that a little bit because I remember most of us here, you know, but in, you know, in the early 90s, you remember soccer wasn't really a thing for us out here, you know. Um, I think that um, there was a couple of private uh, high schools <laughs> that had some soccer teams, you know. <laughs> that was it. Um, but, uh, but, you know, but if you, if you wanted to play soccer, you know, I, you would join some of these leagues that were deep into the valley, in the San Fernando Valley, and, you know, just kind of outside of L.A., and then you, you got to play with, you know, Salvadorians and Mexicans and, and Brazilians and, and Argentinians and uh, Peruvians and, and everybody. So, um, you know, so that, that was kind of like the, the, my first impression. You know, it wasn't as, as, um, as, as, as headlining as it was for us when we were growing up. And you didn't speak English right. when you came here, so you've said soccer is what helped you develop confidence. Yes, yes. You know, I think, you know, as we all know, I mean, sports is, a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a phenomenon, right? Sports is like this, this, this universe where it doesn't really matter what language you speak. It only matters is what you do on that field. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of the few sports that globally, really, welcomes everyone on one field. And everyone gets to not only respect, but play not only with one another, but, but, but against each other as well. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's, it's uh, obviously the, the, you know, the best sport in the world, you know, and uh, so when I, when I got here, not knowing how to speak English, I mean, at, at 12, you know, 13 years old, they didn't know, I didn't even know how to count to three. I, I think the only word I know how to say was monkey. <laughs> <laughs> useful. Yeah, very yeah. useful. Very useful. Yeah. 
Um, you it, work it, that word. You <laughs> work that word. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, wore it out in the field, that's for sure. <laughs> you, were, you arrived at an incredible time. And maybe it was because you arrived, you were the catalyst. A little yeah. butterfly flutters <laughs> Yes, it was because of me, so I could really arrive. You, you, you did, you arrived at an amazing time. 1994, the World Cup was here. Yeah. Kids all of a sudden had bona fide yes. American soccer heroes. Right. You know, kids wanted to put on those stonewashed denim jerseys. Yeah. They want to be like, no, mum and dad, I got to grow this mullet. <laughs> they, wa they wanted to pretend they were yeah. US players. How did you experience that culture shift when there were just suddenly like Lallis and Kobe Jones yes. jerseys everywhere? Yeah, it was, it was uh, I mean, first of all, it was magical for, for me <laughs> because it was like, oh, finally you get it. Right, like, because you t used to talk about soccer, and and your fellow young students or fellow young friends, you know, they they would look at you and be like, "Wait, so in like 90 minutes they score one time, <laughs> <laughs> and like you sat there and just watched these guys run, yeah, for like 90 minutes, <laughs> and and you try to no, that's not, it's more than that. <laughs> you try to explain it to people, and they're just like not happening right yeah they're like you know even nba they have to add in a second point right like, like there's two points to a basket you know it's no. like you could no i love it you can have one point baskets two point baskets and three point baskets I mean, why stop there like yeah. use every that's number right, that's right that's right so <laughs> so so here you are in los angeles a city a mm -hmm. melting pot of american soccer culture you've got the influence of mexican football you've got a massive european expat community you also have the orange slice and juice box suburban style that exists throughout this country. Salute that. Two salute, for orange salute. slices. Salute, yeah. salute, salute, Love salute. a juice box. Salute, salute. You put them together, it becomes something unique and rather special. Talk about the LA soccer scene and the different styles of play yeah. you've experienced around LA. Yeah, it was very unique too because I, you know, grew up, growing up in, in South America, there's a, as we all know, every, every region has a, a, a style, right? I mean, I think in, in, in South America, you know, we're, you know, it's all about placing the ball and going for a break, right? And, and uh, you know, Europe is very physical, you know, it's also, it's about power plays and, and, and things like that. And I feel Central America was also very about, you know, the, the placing of the ball and all that. And so when I got here, it was like a, a melting pot of all, styles you know and i think because of uh because of the world cup there people understood the magnitude of what soccer really means right and and it invited people you know to kind of understand what we were as a sport right and um and it was a we a real world cup you know when you think about the the sport of a world cup you know this is really countries playing against each other you know yeah, what I mean? a real world cup is one that has america in it yeah <laughs> 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 right. so, it's a legal but, term. but it was a really it was a really exciting time so I, I would i would experience on the field you know you really had to adapt to every style you know a brazilian played a certain way a colombian played a certain way a mexican played a certain way so there was different finesse that you had to kind of you know really adapt to um so for me it was a very fascinating almost sport experiment you know but you you, you grow up playing soccer and then you think you know what soccer is and then you you start playing in a country that unites all the styles <laughs> in one field, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of learn really quick. Oh, wheels within wheels. It's a soccer scene in which you are still incredibly active. You've trained with the Galaxy. You play in, you play in loads of charity games. You play pickup games. We got it on good authority. Do you like to put yourself about a little bit? Let's look at this photo taken from a game you played with. Oh. 
The Judas Brothers. Yes. I love this photo. <laughs> For those of you who are not watching at home, you're listening to the podcast, Vilma is wearing just classic Adidas Copas. Huge respect. And in the photo, I've got to say, when I saw that, I looked like the Jonas Brothers were hanging out with Diego Costa. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? what you know, there is a resemblance. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Diego Costa was very good well, at NCIS. One of these three guys have played soccer before, that's for sure. What, what kind of a player are you? How would you describe yourself? And which of the Jonas Brothers is quite good at football? Okay. Well, as you can see how I, I, I tie my shoes, I've been tying my shoes like that since I was like, Probably about four years old. Old school. Very yeah. old school. Um, and also, you have to look for these shoes that are, are uh, stitched together. All of a sudden, this new technology came, and, and they started, you know, uh, they had these nails and glued, you know, and then all of a sudden, you had these shoes only were, were good for about a year yeah. or so. You're right. And then you had to buy new ones. Before, you used to buy a pair of these, and they used to last you for about six, seven years of beating them, you know? Mm. <laughs> So they, they changed the shoes drastically, and as it used to be stitched together like a real shoe, you know? And anyways, that's, a, that's another show. No, by the way, People Magazine are here tonight. They're going to be like, Vilma Valderrama cries out for value in the cleats marketplace. <laughs> it's going to be a whole new Look, job. all I'm See, saying is that we couldn't afford them at one point, and like now they're making us buy a few a year. Like, that's like, that's what I'm saying. But, but what we want to know is about the Jonas Brothers. Solidarność. <laughs> Jonas Brothers, which one is better at football? Because I believe I've had it on good authority. Joe's a cherry pickup. <laughs> is that true? Can you confirm or deny? You know, it all depends on what kind of shape you are. You know, I think in what kind of what kind of running shape you are. You know, um, I will tell you this game. I was in very bad shape. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I I embraced more of like a Carlos Valderrama kind of uh, style of playing. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> Where you, you know, the ball came to you and you placed it right where it needed to be, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Not a lot of breaks for me in this one, okay? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the actually, the boys like to play, man. They play, they play well. They play uh, well soccer. I think, you know, Joe, um, you know, he thinks ahead, so he kind of, he, he likes making friends with the goalie, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, Nick is a very fa- uh, phys- uh, physical player, you know? Nick, uh, you know, Nick gets in there and gets physical. Um, I turn up my cheek, music up, and I'm puffing my chest. That's jealous. Who is the best celebrity player you've ever played with? Oh man, um, ooh, there's a there's a there's a few guys that really that, that really get out there and play. Um, man, I couldn't pick one. I'm actually blanking out on that. But Ellen, Ellen, Stallone, El- Ellen DeGeneres, absolutely. <laughs> yes, Ellen for sure. <laughs> you are to me. A remarkable gen. I've got to tell you, looking at your life story, arriving here at the age you did, which is an incredibly formative time when those of us who don't just arrive in a foreign country, things often go incredibly wrong. At that time, you didn't speak English. You came here. You thrived. I mean, it's a remarkable human story. You have given pleasure to millions. And one of the things I love most when I researched you and read your research was... You talked about how you plunged yourself naively into Hollywood. And, and you talked about how you realized only after you succeeded on the 70s show, how complicated, how dark, how challenging yeah. Hollywood can occasionally be. Right. And you came out of a quote that I just loved. You, I loved. You said, looking back, I think that not knowing how crazy the industry could be, how twisted it could be, how dark it could be, how lonely it could be, that really helped me. The moment things got a little sad, 
I just turned the music louder because that's what Latinos do. <laughs> Things get bad, we turn up the volume and we start effing dancing. <laughs> Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Um, well, yes. Uh, Wow, that's, I mean, incredible that you remember, that you were able to find that quote. Uh, <laughs> that is verbatim what I said, actually. Uh, I, I will say, you know, like every Im immigrant that comes to this country with a dream, you know, you, you believe first and you complain last, right? So, so you lead with, with the vision of where you know for a fact you can be, where it's absolutely possible because... Where we come from in our countries, when we come to this land and we look and we see the, the American flag waving, we know that at any minute something amazing can happen to our family, whether it's just going from the 99 cent store to Ralph's. <laughs> you know, that to me is a win. That's, that was a big win for my family, you know, and I. Uh. You know? So I remember, you know, and, th and this was one of the reasons, one of the moments that really kind of made me shape up to where eventually what I said this. I remember walking to the 99 cent store with my, with my mother, and we would walk a couple of blocks, and we would put the bags down, and then, you know, we walk a few more blocks and put the bags down. And then one day I saw, I saw my mom's hands, you know, I just noticed my mom's hands for the first time in months, you know, that we were doing this. And I, I looked at her hands, her hands were getting really red, you know, and I looked at my mother and I said, Mom, don't worry, because one day we're going to drive. And, you know, one day we did, huh. you know. And that's, and that's like what, that's what, you know, that's what we do here in America. Right? It's like the simple wins. That's really all we, we strive for. And to us, that's an American dream. It's not about the fame and the money, right? Even though once you get into that zone, that's even more complicated because it, it is a more conniving and more, a more complicated and poisonous area that you place yourself in. But if you never forget that walk with your mother, if you never forget that moment, you know, when you saw the American flags and that everything was possible, then it's hard to get through the, you know, the shit that we get through when, you know, when you start doing into, into this Hollywood, you know, game. But, but honestly, I believe my culture really saved my life and saved my career. It, it kind of taught me that when things get darker, and if they're going to get darker because they possibly and probably will, <laughs> nothing, you know, nothing else can, it can't get darker after that. Right? What happens after that? You continue to walk, and if you continue to walk through the darkness, eventually you will find a light post, and you will see a sign. Right? Oh, ladies and gentlemen. I just so say, I just say, <laughs> as an Everton fan, <laughs> I just want to say, turn up the effing music. No matter what, turn up the effing music and dance, David. Ladies and gentlemen, from the 99 cent store to Ralph's to Hollywood to the best-fitting, off-the-rack, double-breasted blazer I've ever seen. <laughs> it's from All Saints, ladies and gentlemen. Wilma Valderrama, everybody. Wilma Valderrama! We're going out tomorrow. You want to stay? Oh, turn up the music and effing dance. <laughs> I love it. A code to live your life by. Uh, okay, Rog, it's time to talk World Cup. Have you heard of it? 
It's a tournament the rest of the world gives a crap about. Yes. But the here in America, not so much. Kick off, Rog. Kick off till Rogue State 2018. It's just 19 days. Breaking news, the US have decided to sit this one out. For political reasons, political yeah, reasons. Political reasons, political reasons. Yeah, for the first time, this gives me no pleasure, since 1986, the World Cup, the tournament, will not be graced by a single meaty American forehead. It's a sober time. <laughs> not for Rog. Is that a Middlesbrough jersey? Jersey. Excuse me, Tijuana and Middlesbrough have the same jersey. <laughs> I've just learned. They're twin cities. Twins. Twin cities. Tijuana, the Middlesbrough of Mexico. Um, I want to say, in all seriousness, this crazy time gives us all pause to ask the hardest questions, to think about what we can do to make this a moment of real change, and a moment to look at other nations ask the hardest questions we can, especially our neighbors across the region that is CONCACAF Thunder, and say, what are you doing to succeed that we can learn from? Absolutely, uh, Rog. To help us understand how Mexico is approaching this World Cup from a tactical and technical perspective. Techers. Techers. <laughs> we have a man. Respect. We have the, a man. Someone shout Deuce Cero. Yeah. I've got some bad news for you, bro. <laughs> We have a man who comes to the Mexican Football Federation via the Netherlands, Rog, a man who, like both of us, is a reformed lawyer. Unlike us, he also played and coached professional football as a player in the Netherlands and as a coach in both Liga, Mexico, and Major League Soccer. Any Shivash USA fans in the house? I actually think we had every single Shivash USA fan uh, yeah. here in the audience. That's amazing. We welcome it's a reunion. To we welcome to the stage the technical director for this Mexico team, the one and only Dennis De Closer. Pass the Dutchie from the left-hand side. What an inspired music choice, Roger. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Can we hear it for Dennis De Closer? Thank you very much. It's John Johnson. So the, out of Did he the, just bring you another beer? Out of the four Chivas USA fans, only three showed up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Two of them were the owners. <laughs> um, Dennis, yes. you were born in Bussum, yes, a time. small town outside of Amsterdam. Now, when I think of Bussum, And I know everybody in the audience feels the same. Yeah. I think, as you do, of tree nurseries, the epicenter of the Dutch cocoa and chocolate industries. Yeah. Yes, world renowned. Did you always know, as a small child, that it was your destiny in Bussum to become the technical director of Mexico's national team? No. I think there's not even a Mexican restaurant in Bussum, to be honest. <laughs> so you started off as the director of Mexican youth national teams. Look, the under-17 level alone, yes. two World Cups for Mexico at the youth level, yes. a runner-up finish and a fourth-place finish. Yes. How do you understand the secret of Mexico's consistency and success at that level? Well, I, I think 
Mexican Federation made an enormous step in, say, 2008, 2009, to set up national leagues. So if you, if you look at our first division in Mexico and you have America play Pumas, on the same day they play under 20 Pumas America, under 17, under 15, under mm. 13, and they play nationally. And I, after so many years now in, in Mexico and in Holland, what I did learn to develop players, you, a lot of it you do through competition. And uh, the better the games, the better the competition, the more the players get challenged. And I thought that one of the biggest things is that they set in or they settle these competitions nationwide. So when they're not into one of our national team camps, we're very comfortable that when they go back to their clubs, they play very good games, incredibly good games. And the clubs, they do obviously, because it's all public and it's all out there, they, they, they really uh, do an effort in scouting. Otherwise, they do just look bad. And the first few years was a little bit difficult, but now it's so much settled. And if you play America Chivas, which is a big game, also the U-20s and U-17s are considered as big games. So for every, the, so every, every, they, every they level is public, every, le every level's public, yeah. every level matters. Yeah, level they're covered. And, and yeah, the, the, if you look at the level, the obviously America and Chivas and all these big teams, Pumas, Cruz Azul, they do a big <laughs> effort in scouting and they, they, they travel as mini professional teams. So, so from an early age, they're getting that mentality that every single game they take the field matters, yeah. is covered, there's yeah. pressure. Yeah, and there's high pressure on these kids because there's a big filter and there's, and, and that's, I think, uh, a big difference, or that makes a big difference. I want to say one of the most frightening parts for me of the US, apart from emotionally, but strategically, not making it to the World Cup, from a US perspective anyway, is that dual national players like Jonathan Gonzalez, born in Santa Rosa, California. 15-year-old Galaxy Stoller, Efrain Alvarez of Los Angeles, of the Galaxy. They are now pledging their future to Mexico, as is their right. Within the Mexican National Team Federation, do you feel, do you feel that the, the balance of power has just shifted, has just like a Game of Thrones has just shifted to you guys in terms of recruitment? Well, I, I do think we've, to be honest, since I've been involved in 2011, we've always had a lot of uh, interaction with, obviously, the U.S. There is, I think, over 35 million Mexicans in the entire United States. Hmm. So they make, yeah, I, I come from a country where there's 16 million. So ah. there's, m there's more Mexican-Americans or Mexicans <laughs> living in the U.S. than we have in our uh, small country. So it, it, it just for us to makes a lot of sense to scout and take them seriously, to really be on top of what they do and how they develop. And the last few years have obviously been in, 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 in improvement. And the, the two players that you mentioned, they're extremely talented. Uh, they, uh, they have obviously the opportunity to play for both US and Mexico. Within our federation, on, on, on one end, it's obviously a sporting decision and, it's a, and it has to do a lot obviously with uh, uh, with the opportunities they see for themselves. But on the other end, uh, we as a federation, we leave it up as a family decision because it, it goes much more deeper than a sporting decision. And, and yeah. it's not, uh, now I play for Mexico, now I play for the USA. Just, I think you, it really needs to matter where you play for. Otherwise, it's of no sense. I told the parents, for example, of Jonathan, 
that if, if you really doubt a little bit about your roots and about what you really want to defend, don't come here because, yeah. We'd rather have that before talent than everything else, in these cases. And to be honest, there are very two talented players. But Juan Carlos Osorio came on our show mm -hmm. a couple of months ago and he said, the Mexican national team know where the, where the Mexican-American youth talent is yeah. in America yeah. better than US soccer do almost. I don't know that. Uh, that would be a little bit unfair to US soccer probably because they do a lot of effort and I, I know them very well and I, I know they... Uh, but we do have full-time scouts here. I worked here obviously for, for a while and I, I feel mu very much close to the, the youth talent here in Mexican-American communities. And I think they deserve an opportunity and that apart from, from everything else, I, I think it's sometimes even a little bit of a social thing more than, mm. more than a sporting thing. This just in, 23andMe just told me I'm 16% Dutch. So, uh, <laughs> so my son George, if you ever decide to go back, 8% Dutch, George, yeah. you can go and play for Holland as well. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm very proud of being Dutch, but in, in Mexico sometimes it, they, they still ask me, how, how can a foreigner be in charge of the Mexican national team? And I always said, uh, we Mexicans, we decide where we, yeah. where we are born. <laughs> we Absolutely. Mexicans. Yeah. Okay, some of your players are with MLS clubs. Gio De Santos, his brother, yes. Jonathan. Uh, there in the MLS, Carlos Vela. He's yes. scoring for fun right now. What a player. How do you gauge the level of the MLS versus their Liga Mexico counterparts? How do you gauge the difference in level? Do you use that to judge them or, or yes. is it hard to do? Well, I think the, the, the players that, that, uh, that we have both at the Galaxy and, and LAFC, we, we've had other players obviously here before. Um, I think they're very prolific players and, and already obviously showed in other competitions what they're capable of and how talented they are. Uh, if you compare it to the league in Mexico, I think, and if you, com yeah, if you go back to when I worked here, I think now it's much better and there's no comparison by 10 years ago, but there's still, I think, room for growth. I think that the, the amount of talented or really impact players is still a little bit more at this moment with all due respect than in MLS if you go by numbers. There's, yeah. there's an amount of players in MLS which are very good per team. If you look at um, maybe a good example is Toronto where obviously Joe Vinco makes a big difference and Bradley and Altador and Victor Vasquez and a few of those guys. But then if you Jersey. look at a team and maybe it's not the best example but if you look at a team like Tigres or America there is instead of four, there's probably a little bit more starters uh -huh. that make that level of impact. Got I it. think that is still different, but I, for sure MLS with all their interest, they'll grow to that. When it comes to the Mexico national team, I won't be clear, I'm a neutral. I'm neither Mexican nor am I Dutch. <laughs> so when I, when I look at your World Cup draw, I look at it and I think that was unkind. I mean, Mexico drawn in Group F yeah. <laughs> for Flemish. Germany, South Korea, and Italy's slayer, Sweden. Many have called it a group of death. Gruppa de la Muerte, I think you say in Holland. Yes. <laughs> exactly like that. Your, your, your manager, Juan Carlos Osorio, fantastic, fantastic gent. I adore that man. I really, really adore him. He's known as a tactically obsessed manager. Are you developing three different game plans for the three different teams? Or are you preparing to take the three teams on with Mexico's strengths? 
No, I, I think if if you look at him very closely and how he works and, and how he goes about his, his uh, trade, I'm 100% sure that, that um, the changes won't be that much, but the tactical adjustment will be there. And I know he's been so analyzing... The players will be the, players will be he the same. Anal he analyzed Korea up to 2002 World huh. Cup, for example. He, I don't know how he did it, but uh, he spoke to ex-managers, and he, he really goes into detail. And I, I know that he has a clear idea how to start the World Cup against Germany, which is somewhat of a decent opponent. Yeah. And then... <laughs> You go to For those of Korea you who are not familiar with Sweden. Germany, they're like the Watford of world football. <laughs> <laughs> Just more physical. Yeah. And bigger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, he's going to start off with a German yeah, game Yeah, for plan. sure. Now, for sure, the, 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 he's so detailed and he's so, uh, he's so clear on who he plays and why he plays and, and which players for him can make a difference in certain positions, which... I think you, you really need to appreciate. So international football is fascinating. Some managers are like, we're going to throw out the best 11 players we have against the world. Or I have an idea. I'm going to fit the best 11 into that idea that I have. Yeah. Where, where would you put Mexico in terms of their approach for these three games? I think he'll, he'll put out the best 11 players suited for that game. And, and he'll analyze it up to the littlest details, which is sometimes obviously difficult to predict a lot of things, but he goes into details that, that, that nobody ever know, known about. And then uh, he, he comes up with, we has a few principles which are very clear uh, defensively, which I think in Mexico we had to get used to, or for example, your, uh, your outside backs, which are more, he, he looks at them as central defenders playing on the outside. Huh. Um, he plays with, uh, well, I can come up with the whole game plan here if there's any Germans or whatever. Yeah. In the uh, hang on, let me, let, Wait a minute, let, let me just sweep the audience. Any uh, Germans? Deutsche sprechen Sie? No, oh, yeah, no. front row, careful. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, no, like no, that. no, we can go like into that. the game plan. To the merch no. table. Yeah. Go on. No, it's a, no to, to be honest, he... he <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, okay. By the she, way, those of you listening on the pod, there is one German, and she's put her hands in her fingers in her ears. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, we go ahead. Speak no, freely. So You're amongst friends. Yeah. No, I think I, I, if you compare, Freundin. for example, to the to the games we we played, our I think our, our, our very high level games last year at the end of the year against Belgium and Poland, and I think we we competed very well. So we hope to do that on the World Cup. Also, there's obviously a lot of pride that, that went in our work in the last few years. And big illusion to, to make it uh, count for Mexico. Okay, so Dennis, looking at this squad, its ability, its depth, what does success look you can take, like You can take, your fingers, you can your, take your fingers out. What does success look like for Mexico? What he said was he's going to attack you with 11 players. No goalie. There's going to be no goalie, <laughs> just 11 forwards. <laughs> tell, tell Jorge German, Campos all over the yeah, field. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to play same Jorge Campos' yeah, best striker. Shirt. So what does success look like for Mexico in this World Cup? Well, in, in Mexico, and I think the people in uh, some of the people that I see with Mexican jersey know there's a lot of talks about going to a fifth game, which means going out of the group and then pass on. Quarterfinals. What, yeah, what we've, uh, what we've expressed and a lot, and, and I think it's, it's our right to obviously have an illusion and, and go into a, a World Cup. You, you go to an event like that to win it. 
Now, if that's realistic or not, that's another thing. And I, <laughs> I don't know, but it's, you, you, I think you, with all the work that went in, all the talent that we have, everything that we try to create around the group with, uh, I think we're, we're up to, to, um, to the best federations and, and best national teams in the world. That's, one of, that's our objective, that's our goal. Now, that doesn't say that we, that we well, hopefully we do it, obviously, but we, we are going into the World Cup just to win it and to go as far as we can and beyond the fifth game. That is the idea. Okay. So, Dennis, Dennis, you, don't, you and I have met, I've, I've followed your work with great admiration from afar. I Thank genuinely you. adore your life story. I adore a human being who grew up in one place, fell in love with another, and dedicated their life to it and their footballing glory. I genuinely do. Thank you. So yeah. when, you, when you say that, and then can we just have another round of applause for that? Because this is a... <laughs> I want to tell you, I find Dennis Aklos genuinely inspirational in a remarkable way. And you both, you, you put forward a, a dream, which is what fans dream. That's why we, we're fans. We dream about glory. But you're also on the management side. You guys are rational. You're not fans. You're dealing with it from the inside. So let me ask you, what gives you confidence when you look at this squad, this team, this, this campaign? Give us one thing that you look at with this Mexico, which is a fascinating Mexico team. What gives you confidence having worked with the youth team, now at the national level, approaching a World Cup? What gives you confidence that you can succeed? Well, I, I think, uh, as you see Mexican uh, football over the last few years, where we have grown, uh, and which wasn't very common that there's a lot of players now competing and, and playing in important leagues around the world. It used to be Globally. it used to be very national, which we have a very good league in, on its own in Mexico. But I think the the opportunity for certain players to compete outside Mexico in in Holland, like Lozano, la, uh, the boys in Portugal with uh, Jimenez, Herrera, and, and Jesus Corona. My, uh, Miguel Layun and Guardado, obviously. And, and I think on that gave us a little bit more maturity. It gave us uh, a more of an edge on, on professional uh, behavior on and off the field, I think, because it's very competitive to play outside of Mexico, which in Mexico, I mm. think, and I hope, it's a little bit of the, the process and the program and the project that we started, say, eight years ago that with all the youth national activities that we had and put them into difficult spots and difficult events and difficult uh, programs, they got used to winning. And I, I hope that, that we can show that now and, and for sure in the future that this team in Mexico, are, are they are used to winning. From yeah. world experience to world glory, David. Yeah, adversity is what breeds winners. Uh, Dennis, thank Not you so much. Case. Please, a round of applause for Dennis <laughs> to Klerza. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us. Oh, my Dutch cousin, my long-lost cousin. Dennis de Klos! Dennis de Klos. Okay, Rog, to understand Mexico in the present, we have to understand their past. We want to relive Mexico's World Cup history with a man who has played in three Copa das Copas. He is one of the most feared Mexican midfielders of all time. A phenomenally intelligent footballer. A colossus of a career spanning 14 years at the international level, winning 146 caps more 
than Rog and me combined. A star <laughs> in Liga Mexico and La Liga, now sporting director of the Mexican Football Federation. Welcome to the stage, Mr. Gerardo Torado. For those of you who did not see this man play football, and I witnessed you, I went back and checked my diary from the 2002 World Cup. Osaka, the ago. final game of the group stage against Italy, you literally man-marked Totti out of the game. Yeah. Totti with his long of locks, his beautiful long hair, back then, shaved head. Just like you. Yeah, just like me. <laughs> Way less bald in person. You. <laughs> you marked him out of the game. This man uh, was a, he's so nice, but he was <laughs> fierce, fierce, fierce yeah. midfielder. Uh, it was a pleasure watching you play football. Thank wow. you for all of the memories uh, you Thank gave you. us. But with just about 517 hours, not that anyone's counting. counting <laughs> until Mexico kicks off its World Cup against defending champions Germany. Nice ease into the World Cup. On a scale of one to 10, how excited are you? How excited are Mexican fans at home and abroad? Right. Hi, hi, good night. I'm pleased to be, to be here. Take it easy. My English is not as good as, as Dennis, so I'll, it's I'll do my ours. best. It's, it's better, better than ours. So probably, probably yeah. I'll have to drink some beers to, to make it uh, fluent. Can we get a beer for Herodic? <laughs> no, I don't know, I'm fine. It's okay. <laughs> I won't stop then. No, no, I mean, uh, what you said is, um, it's a tough game. We believe it is, but I mean, we respect them. But um, we're preparing ourselves to, to beat them. I mean, it's hard to say, but we believe that we can do it. So we're going to do our best and we're going to uh, play hard as I did against Totti, as you oh, said. Oh, you yeah. played hard against him. Yeah, well, it was a good experience. And some of my, I, I would like to say that, we were playing that ma that game, and I had a really good relationship with one of my uh, teammates. And we were playing, and I remember that in one uh, uh, in the second half, I was just facing Totti, and I was fighting against him. And <laughs> this guy, my teammate, came and, "What are you saying to him?" And I said, "He's just a motherfucker. Fuck you." <laughs> no, 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 but he. <laughs> He probably has uh, really nice friends and, and a girlfriend, so probably you can tell him to invite us. So <laughs> <laughs> I said, are so you telling minute. me the truth? Your friend <laughs> is saying, don't go don't, at don't Tony during the game because he might, have, he might know some girls. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, what the fuck are you telling me? Basically, we, we men, beat so you mean in the World Cup, the guy is yeah. thinking during a World Cup final yeah. group game where you were not assured <laughs> qualification for the last 16. Yeah. The guy yeah, was just, saying, just don't imagine, go too hard at Totti. He might know girls. I yeah. love men. <laughs> men. Men are unbelievable. I, yeah, say, yeah, I think we just got to the root of the curse. Yeah, yeah, but it was crazy. It was like... Who was it? Was it Mexican John Terry? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 want, I want to talk about Mexico and the World Cups. I really do. Because there's lots to admire about Mexico and the World Cups. Like, as Bruce Arena will never take for granted, <laughs> Mexico qualify. They qualify 
for World Cup. Cheers. Oh, Cheers. God. Please don't bring Rog any more beer. Health and happiness. <laughs> Mexico. Another thing, as an England fan, Dave, Mexico also always get out of the group stage. Mexico tend to qualify for the World Cup, which I England mean, don't do. They get out of the bloody group stage, which is not easy to do, but this is remarkable. Mexico have been eliminated, this gives me no pleasure, in the round of 16 in the last six World Cups that they've participated in. It's one of the, it's one of the most astonishing runs in sport. It really is. It's a bizarre run. I mean, it's a hex that is more, if you think of the Billy Goat hex, the Bambino curse, the Madden cover curse, and they all had a baby, it will be the Mexico <laughs> round of 16 curse. They are not just losses, Dave, they are a catalogue of excruciating defeats that we need to run through quickly before we can work out how to get beyond them. I don't want to pile on because I love this Mexican team. 1986, Monterrey, home soil. Mexico lost to Germany via penalties. USA, 1994 to Bulgaria on penalties again. 98, Mexico had mighty Germany on its knees until a late Jurgen Klinsmann-inspired rally had stunned the nation. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot um. of Bruce Arena fans here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> 2002. Yeah! God, Bruce <laughs> Arena is here tonight. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. USA knocked you out back when Bruce Arena still had hope, when the Bruce was still loose. And, and also, Deuce Cero was still a thing. That guy over there with the Deuce Zero thing. Then, 2006. Wow, oh. I was at this game too. You were tied against Argentina. Yeah. And in the 98th minute, this happened. Ese lugar para Sorin. Sorin puede levantar para Tevez. Viene el centro para Maxi. La paró con el pecho. Le pegó de zurda. Viene. Gol. That was Maxi Rodriguez. And I want to tell you, I watched him play for Liverpool. This was the single greatest moment of his career. This is <laughs> this is a piece of skill that man had never conjured before or after. That was not a question. I'll speak yeah. for you. You were playing in that tournament, what did it feel like to be on the receiving end of, that was a sucker, I mean, yeah. it was devastating. I mean, yeah, because it was a game that it was really uh, well planned by the coach. Uh, he understood which were the weaknesses of the Argentina team and the, and the strengths. So everything was set to play uh, against them, to beat them, and we were uh, making it. Actually, we went uh, up in the in the score. We're winning 1-0. Then they tied us, and then afterwards uh, this happened. And, uh, yeah. and but I mean, it could be either the the other side. But I mean, it was a genius play, and I think it's the best goal he has ever scored in his life. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. So 2010, it was Argentina again. Again, yeah. The first goal by Carlos Tevez. Was offside. One of the most blatant. No. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was well, a huge one. That's a bar. Now not we, just, we have the video assistant no, referee. Not just offside. It was one of the most blatantly offside in World Cup history. Well, yeah. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember it. Oh, we had the hand of God. Yeah, we had like yeah, oh, well. Lampard's goal over the line. Blah. blah. <laughs> 2014. Miguel. Her no era penal, yeah, that's right, yeah. Miguel, Wasn't penalty. Miguel Herrera, I will say one of the delights of the tournament, that Mexico team, 
cruising, and I don't like to bring up bad memories because it's all a revel in. <laughs> Against the Dutch, you were 1-0 up into the 88th minute, and then first Wesley Schneider scored, and then in injury time, Iron Robin shamed all bulls, all bull men, all of them. All of them, not just in the present day, but forever in history. And I'm looking at a lot of bull blokes right now, all of us, shamed all of us by doing this. Arjen Robben encarar a buscar entre Diego Reyes y Layun. Se los va a llevar, se los llevó, se los llevó. Que no retrase. No, no, no. No. Yeah, you yeah, can boo, you can boo. I will tell you, I'll speak honestly. Iron Robin shamed all balls, blatantly diving, <laughs> delivering the kind of knockout blow that. Oh, I mean, it's very hard for. I, I find it hard to get up in the morning just looking at that. <laughs> Here's what I want to know from you, Gerardo. There are, these are, we, we've talked in a dark way about different Mexican teams. Over 28 years, different players, different coaches, different locker room cultures entirely, but they have all gone out at the same stage. Yeah. Is there a rational explanation for this? Is it just coincidence? Or is it psychological? Mm, I, I think it's hard to, to explain it. I was there in three times and I don't have an answer yet. But uh, I, I, I want to um, like, um, say that the positive thing is that Mexico always go through the group stage and then uh, they're, they're gonna, we'll be there and trying to, to beat uh, the next team in that stage. And now I'm convinced we're going to do it because there's so much difference. The preparation that we have been doing is so much different than the other ones that, that we did before. Uh, in the World Cup, there are a lot of um, travels, uh, flights, uh, being away from your family, uh, sleeping out of, of your home, uh, don't seeing your kids. And in the last World Cups, we do a preparation like two months before the, the World Cup. And now, as Danny said before, there are a lot of players playing in Europe and other players that were still competing and we didn't have enough players to come all together and do that uh, same uh, pre-season, if we can say it that way. So now we just have less time, so we're doing different things and, I, and we're going to get different results. So instead of getting and um, thinking of playing the fifth game, we're thinking of playing the seventh game. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I, I, won't, I won't be clear. You, you you were a player. When you do play that round of 16 game, psychologically, can you talk about, like, in, I won't be clear, English players, they walk onto a World Cup field, that jersey feels like chainmail. They just want to get the hell out of it <laughs> and not be the scapegoat. Please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. Look at him. He's terrible. Scapegoat <laughs> him. When you're in that, because Mexico, they start so joyously. We're like, oh, my God, we wish you were you. But always that same game. As a player, you played in three of them. Yes. When you hit that round of 16 game, does there some, something psychological kick in where you are just like, oh my God, this is, this is where this is the wall. I just said it. Yeah, but now it's different because now we're not expecting to get to the fifth. I mean, we're expecting to get to the fifth game and win it. So now when you get to that stage, you're thinking different and you're thinking and visualizing that we're going to do it. So now we are um, truly convinced that we're going to do it and we're going to play our best game. Well, the players, I'm not playing anymore. I wish I could. <laughs>
but I, well, I'm really close to them and I can see them and I'm convinced they're thinking different and then thinking uh, in a huge goals that it's getting to the seventh game. So one of those changes, the team have a mental coach, Imanal Ibarondo. He's been yeah. given the job of getting the players in the right frame of mind. Uh -huh. Can you give us a sense of the techniques he's using with the team? Well, I wish I, I could work with him before I uh, return myself. Um, <laughs> You're coming back? Is this news? <laughs> Are you coming back again? I wish. I wish. No, I'm old. I'm old enough and <laughs> old I won't as play us. as good as I did in 2002. But Imanol, I think he, he came and he's doing a great job. And it's not about like a psychologist. He's, he's an ex-player as well. So he understands what the player is thinking. And mm. sometimes as a player, probably you're thinking, I'm not good enough. And he just asking you questions and trying to get really inside you and understanding that you are a creative uh, person, that you have everything you need to have to, to deserve success. And how that's the way he makes you understand that you are really uh, helpful and important for the team. And he gets you the, the best version of you. So he is really like, I mean, his job is really, is really good with us. Oh, I need this man in my life, Gerardo. <laughs> I really do. I'd get out of bed in the morning. Can you make the case, Gerardo, looking at the squad you have, the manager you have, the draw you have, make the case for us how this year, 2018, is going to be different? Well, uh, I mean, it's, everything has been different. Um, I think we have a great coach that understands the, the strategy pretty well. The players uh, believe him and try to do what they said to them uh, on the pitch. Um, we have like a platform where the players can uh, continue practicing even though they weren't uh, playing that much in their teams. The players that were playing more, they, could, they didn't have to do it, but they have that tool to, to be prepared. Uh, we've been um, studying uh, Germany, Korea, Sweden, and we understand pretty well how they play. So I think, I mean, it's a tough draw. We understand that, but... Sweden are very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sweden, it's a, it's a vertical team. Uh, so it's not going to be easy, but we are confident that we're going to have uh, good results and we, we're going to make history. I don't like to bring this up. You can clap. We're going to make yeah. history. Yeah. What is football if it is not about optimism? Having said that, <laughs> in the round of 16, your most likely opponent, say pundits like Paul Carr, who I told before this, is Brazil. Yes. Possibly the winner of Group E. You think about Brazil, Brazil no problem? Yeah, but I mean, if we go uh, to the back and, and see all the games that we played against Brazil, most of them are really tight. And I think one of the teams that have beaten uh, Brazil most, most times is Mexico. Yeah. So I, I Brazil, Brazil don't want to play Mexico. Yeah, I'm sure they won't. Yeah. yeah. Well, right now, there's a men in blazers in Fortaleza who are asking the Brazilian team, Mexico in the round of 16. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> oh. no. Ladies and gentlemen, Gerardo, yeah. you thrilled us as a player. You made a nation believe the city of Indianapolis still misses you. <laughs> they built a statue to this man in Indianapolis. It's a colossus. Yeah. Courage, everybody, put your hands together. Thank Gerardo yeah. Torado.
What? Uh, what oh. a fantastic player he was. He's he so really was. nice. Can we just hear it for hurrah now? I've got to tell you. Gentleman was a footballing god. But he's such a lovely man, but he was so hard as a player. It's almost tough to like reconcile. Me. Okay, <laughs> nothing like you. We're nearly at the end of what has been a night of nights. We have one final guest to close, but we want to invite you to come join us right after the show at the Los Angeles Beer Garden, just on South Broadway. Uh, there is the address so that we can raise a glass to all of you gathered here tonight. But one thing, one thing we need to do before we close is spoiler alert. We've got to pull this together. We don't like to leave loose ends at Men and Blazers. We want to tell you how things are going to shake out for Mexico in Russia. And we're going to do it with the aid of this special prophetic bottle of Jägermeister. Do we have the bottle of Jägermeister? John Johnson. The bottle of Mexican Jägermeister. Um, Luckily, because I'm not very good with tops, we've got one already poured. Yeah. I, no, Rog, what? what, what yeah. do you, you don't want to know what no, you do want to know. That was me throwing my voice all the way over there, <laughs> telling you not to drink anymore or this show will never end. Can I just say one quick thing? Can I say, I started drinking Jägermeister when Rob Stone walked onto stage at the Golden Blazer. And the show never ended. Yeah. But it, I realized when I, when I supped the Jägermeister, to me it's like an exclamation point in a bottle. <laughs> and I adore it. So I'm gonna raise this, Dave, you're gonna raise yours. Come here, cheers me, bro. Come here, don't leave me hanging. Let's take this prophetic shot and we will tell you what we see. This is a journey into the future. Hold on. Oh my God, Vilma wow. Valderrama's future is crazy. Wow. Here's what my Jägermeister is saying. It's saying, re are you ready for this? This is gonna blow your mind. Curses will be broken. A quarterfinal will be reached. And Chucky Lozano will move to Everton Football Club and lead them to glory! I love Jägermeister. Huh. David, what does yours tell you? We have another one. I'm sensing a win against Brazil. I'm sensing a win against Brazil. Also, he's already been linked to Chelsea, Rog, my beloved Chelsea. They're gonna win I'm the also, World Cup. I'm also seeing broken curses, and I'm not sure I'm tasting golden boot but Chicharito will score a worldie, like a Gareth Bale worldie. And he's, by even, the way, he's even uh, gonna score from outside the box. That's a worldie for Chicharito. <laughs> to claim the Ch goal. A Chicharito worldie is scoring outside of three yards. Yeah. It will claim the goal of the tournament from a judging panel who will understand that, Rog. <laughs> Uh, that's what I'm seeing. Okay, we've talked a lot about Mexican fans' hopes and dreams tonight. In many ways, hopes and dreams are what World Cups are all about. So to close the show, let's bring to the stage a remarkable set of fans. Hail the American-based Mexico National Team Supporters Group, Pancho Villa's Army, and their founder from Austin, Texas, Sergio Tristan.
Sergio, you to me are a remarkable gent. You are Austin born. Born and bred. Texas. <laughs> well done, Rog. I like this. He's, he's so ready for citizenship. State Capitals 101. It could be Charlie Austin, David. You were true or false? You were once in US Soccer's development program as a player, as a kid. <laughs> I was, true. Okay. I've done my research. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'd be a very good lead, uh, lawyer at a trial. I mean, these are leading questions. <laughs> you became an infantry officer in the US Army. I did. He did. True. True. Two tours. Two tours. With the US Army. Holy. Your parents are from San Luis Potosi. True. In, In Mexico. Mexico. True. True. And when it comes to soccer, your family's past, it binds you to... Mexico. Mexico. We're amongst friends here. You can say that. <laughs> Lean into the microphone and say that loud and proud. Viva Mexico! <laughs> I mean, this is fascinating to me. You are the founder of Pancho Villa's army. You united fellow Americans behind the Mexican team. You were prescient. <laughs> right now, your fan group is surging. I want you to describe the mood among the fans of Pancho Villa's army right now on a scale between Dave out. Just like an 11. <laughs> and a Rog. Minus one. <laughs> Where would you place yourself right now, knowing what you have to meet in Russia? Group we F. are completely enthusiastic. 11 plus. Dave plus, wow. Okay. Dave we heard it here. Close Absolutely, the show. Absolutely, Sergio, to close the show, we're gonna cede the floor to your army. Pancho Villa's army, we love you. Los Angeles, come and have really a drink do. with us, please, at the Los Angeles Beer Garden just down the street. Pancho Villa's army, come right, to the everybody stage. Stand up. Join the us. floor is yours. We're going to hear a chant you're going to hear a lot of past the, past the round of 16, I hope, come on. in the World Cup. Viva Mexico! Thank you. Mexican-American Phil Collins, he really he is. is. Sings and, and drums at the same time. Ladies and gentlemen, Pancho Villa's army. See you at the beer garden. To the beer